Take your Bibles, if you would, please, and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. And I hope you have your Bibles because you're going to be using them tonight, whether it's in book form or by way of a screen. But uh, turn with me, if you would, please, to Isaiah chapter 9. And I'd like to read beginning with verse 6. The Bible says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end, upon the throne of David and upon his, his kingdom to order it and to establish it with just judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And now turn back a few pages, if you would please, to Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2, and beginning reading with verse 1. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, and it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will, he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come ye, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. And then turn over, if you would please, to the next to last book of the Old Testament, the book of Zechariah, chapter 14. Zechariah, chapter 14, and look at verse 9, if you would please. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord, and his name one. And now back to Isaiah, if you would please, chapter 51. Isaiah chapter 51. And beginning uh, reading verse 11. Isaiah chapter 51, verse 11. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return, and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Heavenly Father, thank you for the wonderful Word of God. Thank you for our wonderful Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, one with the Father, the eternal God. Thank you that he loved us and gave himself for us. Thank you for your word that we can look at together and learn from it and grow from it. And I pray the Holy Spirit would take the words of the scripture tonight and use them in our hearts to be an encouragement and blessing to us and also a motivation for living for you in these critical days. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now turn to one more passage. Actually, you're going to be turning a lot, but turn to one more passage right now, which is at the end of your Bible, Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. The topic I was given to uh, deal with tonight is the millennium. You might say, I don't think you will, but some people have said, what is the millennium? That word's not even in the Bible. Well, actually it is. Look at Revelation chapter 20, if you would please, beginning with verse one. John says, and I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. There is the word millennium. The word millennium is an English word taken over from the Latin, which means literally a thousand years. Mille, meaning a thousand. Anum, and the plural ani, meaning years. So when you read in the book of Revelation a thousand years, you are actually seeing the word millennium. It's just a, a, a millennium is a synonym for that. Follow now, if you would, please, in verse 3. He took hold of the dragon, verse 3, and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years, the millennium, should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshiped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. There's the millennium again. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years, the millennium, were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years, the millennium. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. So our subject tonight is the millennium, a thousand years. This takes place, as I think you know, uh, begins at the end of the tribulation period when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back in the second coming. We talked about that last week. And he comes and he destroys the enemy and Israel is rescued and those survivors of Israel recognize him as their savior, their Messiah, whom their forefathers had crucified. And they turn to him and believe on him and are saved. And as the Apostle Paul said, and so all Israel shall be saved. And so here at the end of the tribulation with the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, he has come now to set up his literal earthly kingdom, to rule literally, politically if you please, to set up his government here on this earth. And so this is the millennium. Now let me say a few things in general about the millennium as we begin. The millennium is a shadow on this present earth of the new heaven and earth. 
The book of Isaiah and other Old Testament prophets have a great deal to say about the millennium, but especially Isaiah. And when you read the prophecies of the millennium in Isaiah, many times those prophecies also cover the new heaven and new earth for eternity. That's not unusual in the Bible where the Old Testament prophecies sometimes have a double fulfillment in the future. The verse that I started with tonight, unto us a child is born, is, is similar to that because when, we, when you read those words unto us, us a child is born, you think immediately of Bethlehem and you ought to. That's when Jesus came in the nativity as we refer to it. That same verse goes on to refer to his government. The government shall be upon his shoulder. That's not in that first coming as in the nativity 2,000 years ago. Uh, he was misunderstood. His people, the Jews, were looking for the Messiah to come and, and, and conquer the Romans and throw them out and take over the government. That is not why he had come the first time. Uh, the book of Isaiah in chapter 53, for example, tells us that he had come to suffer and to die, to be the sacrifice for your sins and mine, which we could not pay for. We would be totally inadequate. But he, Almighty God himself, the only begotten Son of God, had no sin. He lived a perfect life as a man on this earth, never sinning, not the first time. And so as the spotless Lamb of God, he was qualified, he was adequate, he was sufficient to pay the penalty for sin because he did not need to pay one for himself. And so he died for the world, for any who would come to him and believe on him and be born into the family of God. And so, and so you see even in that verse a great period of time it refers to the nativity and it refers to the millennium which is coming. There's a great deal in that verse. Many times I've heard uh, Bible students and theologians use the illustration of Old Testament prophecy looking forward into the future and seeing a mountain peak. That's the prophecy fulfilled. But sometimes they don't see that beyond that mountain peak is another valley and then another mountain peak, and there's part of the prophecy. Now, the same is true of the age in which we are living. In, in the first century, uh, those early believers were looking forward to the time when the Lord Jesus Christ would come, but they did not realize that there was a 2,000 year, or however long it turns out to be, I think around 2,000 years, valley there, and then there is another little valley on the other side of seven plus years of a tribulation and then the mountain peak of the government of God again. So you have government, the government of God, the throne of David, which will be established again in the millennium at the coming, second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there will be a rebellion of Satan, which we just referenced in the book of Revelation and, uh, and God will burn up this earth and its works and the heavens with fire. And he will remake it into a new earth and there will be the new heaven and there's the city of God coming down from heaven. Now I must stop with that because that's next week's subject and you want to be here next week. Next week I've been given the topic of 
life in the hereafter. And I really am looking forward to talking to you about what life is going to be like for you and me, human beings, who are equipped with, uh, with uh, bodies which are incorruptible and prepared for living in that new heaven and earth. And it's going to be a wonderful thing. So be sure you come back next week uh, to, to be with us on that. And so here's the millennium. It's a shadow on the present earth of the new heaven and earth. The millennium will not be the complete restoration of the earth as God created it. Uh, it, will be, uh, it will be a move in that direction, but it will not be complete. That will be completed in the new heaven and earth in eternity. And in the millennium, Jesus will rule from the throne of David in Jerusalem. And that's not just a bunch of spiritual talk. Put yourself in the reality of the here and now. We live under a government in this country. Uh, most nations of the world have a government of one sort or another to one degree or another. We live under governments. In that thousand years, there will be a government, a literal government for this world. And its capital city will be Jerusalem in Israel, as you know the location of that today. And Jesus, Jesus who will have come back to this earth, bringing his saints, us, his saints with him, Jesus will be the head of that government from Jerusalem. He will rule as King of kings and Lord of lords. There will be still nations on this earth, but they will be subject to, to him as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so this is the millennial rule of the Lord Jesus Christ on this earth. Now let's talk about the millennium. What is it going to be like? The Bible tells us uh, a number of very interesting things. One of them is very, very precious to me today, and I suspect it is to you in the day in which we're living also, especially as things change so rapidly. But the Bible teaches us that in the millennium, Justice and righteousness will reign. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, please, to Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2. Look down at verse 4, the beginning of the verse, speaking of Jesus. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. So judgment and justice will Justice and righteousness will reign during that kingdom. I want to pause here just a moment as you look at those words we just read from Isaiah chapter 2. He shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. That tells you that even in an age, this millennium, when justice and righteousness will be reigning, there will be a need for rebuke and for judgment. It's not going to be an absolutely perfect society. It's going to be a society or, or world where Jesus will, in the words of Scripture, rule with a rod of iron. And so this is not the final restoration of the earth toward what God intended it to be when he created it. That will come with the new heaven and new earth. But this is a partial return toward that. This is Jesus who is ruling among men on this earth as it is now, and there is going to be 
there, are, there will be events where there will be sin and crime and whatever, but it will not get out of hand and it will be dealt with. It's a time when justice and righteousness will reign. Turn over a few pages to Isaiah chapter 11, if you would please. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse four, we read this. But with righteousness shall he, Jesus, judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. So when things get out of hand, when criminal activity takes place, when sin takes place, which is impacting society, the Lord Jesus Christ will deal with that and he will rule with a rod of iron. Look down in the same chapter, chapter 11, down to verse nine, the middle of the verse, pick up there. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek and his rest shall be glorious. Isaiah chapter 32 in your Bibles, please. Isaiah chapter 32. I'll give you time to turn. I'd like for you to see it, if you would. Isaiah chapter 32, first of all, verse 1. In Isaiah verse, uh, chapter 32 and verse 1, we read these words. Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness and princes shall rule in judgment. Look down at verse 17 of that chapter. And the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Isaiah chapter 35, just a few pages over. Isaiah chapter 35 and verse 10. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion, that's Jerusalem, with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. So two observations regarding this point as I leave it. Justice and righteousness will reign. And that's good because that makes for peace in the world. And while this world will not be perfect, there will be matters which have to be dealt with. He will deal with those matters in his government and the result will be peace, a peaceful, joyful existence for the people of this world. Now, uh, I'm not getting into current events in these messages, but contrast that with the world where you live today, a world where sin is rampant and where you do not have justice and righteousness, where we have the opposite and it seems to be growing every day. And we do not have peace. We do not have peace in our land. America is divided as never before, uh, in, a, in ways as never before. Because unless you have justice and you have righteousness, you do not have peace. 
But Jesus is going to rule and his reign is going to be a reign of justice and righteousness. Now in these verses which we read, you noted that he's going to rule and his princes with him. We're going to return with the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth when he comes in the second coming. We will not be fighting alongside him as he conquers his enemies because he's going to tread the winepress alone, he says, and it will be his garments which are stained with the blood of the enemy, not ours, and I'm glad for that personally. I guess it's my personality. I'm not very much of a warmongering type of person. I like peace, but we're going to come with him. And Jesus in his ministry taught, and the rest of the scriptures verify, support it, that we are going to serve him in that kingdom. In other words, we're going to have responsibilities, jobs to do. Jesus said to his Jewish uh, disciples, those who became the apostles, and I'm sure others who were disciples too, he said that they would be given cities to rule over, I think that's literal. I think in this government of the Lord Jesus Christ, many of his people will have responsibilities of ruling or governing in this world. That, that for, for, for those of you who may be sitting here tonight saying, well, I don't wanna govern, that's not me. Well, it's not me either. I, I really don't want a desk over in Tallahassee during those years. Uh, it's just not my personality and my style I would not be happy with that. Again, I don't want to get ahead of myself into next week, but you are, you are going to be you in your body. The same body in which you are sitting here tonight. Now it will be changed. It will be glorified. It will become incorruptible. It will be like the Lord Jesus Christ in his glorified body or his resurrected body. But it will be you. I think sometimes we as believers, we, we, we don't intend to believe this and, and, and don't really believe it when we address it intellectually, we come to terms with it, but we kind of get the idea that we're going to be something kind of non-human in those days. Something like maybe spirits floating around or something. That's not the case. When Jesus in his resurrected body walked that road to Emmaus with a couple of disciples, he didn't float above the road. He walked just like they did in his sandals, I suppose, along that road. When Jesus, days later, met his disciples up on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, they were fishing trying to catch some fish to eat. And they saw someone on the seashore with a fire cooking fish. And it was Jesus. And Jesus did not come floating over the water to them. He could have because he had earlier walked on the water, but he didn't do that. He waited for them on the shore and then uh, gave them breakfast fish to eat for breakfast. He ate with them as they saw him eating. And I intend to be totally reverent about this, but I want you to understand as he ate with them, they did not see bites of fish going down a transparent gullet in Jesus. He wasn't some kind of a, 
of a ghost. He was in his same body. As a matter of fact, the prints of the nails in his hand and the wound in his side proved that. It was his body of flesh, but it was a resurrected body. And my dear friend, I want you to know that during the millennium as we live in this world, you will be you. You will not be restricted by the effects of sin, the sin of Adam and your own and my own. You will not be restricted by that because we'll be past that. We will be changed. You will not be restricted by sickness or death because we will be past that. We will be incorruptible in these bodies, but you will still be you. And so what will you be doing during the millennium? Well, perhaps you'll have a government post if you like that kind of thing. But if you're a musician, you will probably have the opportunity and responsibilities of making music. If, uh, if you are a, a person who enjoys uh, the classroom, study, research, that kind of thing, you will probably have opportunities. In other words, the Lord Jesus Christ is not going to take you and say, well, I know you're happy doing this and I know that's your personality and that all fits and that's the way I helped you shape in your life before, but I'm going to give you something to do that will make you perfectly miserable now. You need to, no, 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 no. No, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to give us things to do as we reign with him, as we serve him during the millennium, things to do which will fit you beautifully and wonderfully and perfectly. Well, the millennium will be a time when justice and righteousness reigns. It will also be a time when global peace is established. You're in the book of Isaiah. Turn back to, this, to the beginning of the book, Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 4. We read these words. And uh, starting in the middle of the verse, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, instruments of agriculture, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. West Point will be out of business. I mean, I don't know if West Point will be there after the, after the tribulation with all the destruction on this, this earth, many of the institutions of this world will be destroyed and gone, of course, but you get the point. West Point and the other military academies here and around the world will not be there anymore. There will be no need for them because Jesus is going to establish global peace. And so all of the weapons of war, and all oh, there are many, are there not? I mean, we read about them every day in the news and all the billions that are spent on military hardware and all of that. That's all going to be done away with. All of that, uh, all of those metals and other supplies will be turned into instruments of peace, instruments of agriculture, for example, used for plowing the fields and for getting the harvest in. It's going to be a time when global peace will be established. And my friend, global peace will not be established until then. That has been the dream of some men down through the years. 
um, I think, misguided dreams many times resulting in such institutions as the United Nations, which is not an instrument of peace at all. Um, and as we are here in these last days now, and I'm convinced we're living in the last days, as we are here in these last days now, this world is filled with war. You have war in Eastern Europe, in the Ukraine and Russia. You have this uh, mysterious, strange Wagner group associated with Russia. They are now in some of the other Eastern European nations and we have now heard in the news that they are in Africa and are creating real havoc in Africa in some of the nations there. And uh, in the Far East, there are the rumors of war as there is the threat of China taking over their free part, which has been independent and recognized separately. Rumors of war. Just this past week, the Chinese and the Russians sailed, the news tells us, some of their warships very close to our shores in Alaska. That's kind of frightening. That's, uh, that does not settle your heart, does it? Our hearts have to be settled in understanding that Jesus knows about this. He told us about it. He told us that in the last days, there would be wars and rumors of wars. And so we should expect more and more of this as the days go by. But when the Lord Jesus Christ comes, he is going to establish global peace. Not just peace in the Middle East, but peace over the whole world. And that will be a wonderful thing. Mothers will not bury their sons anymore who have been killed in war. There will not be that kind of grieving because there will be global peace established. It's going to be a wonderful day. And then I notice that uh, in the scriptures, that in the millennium, the curse will be lifted to a degree, not totally, but to a degree. It will be totally gone in eternity in the new heaven and earth. All of that will have been destroyed. Former things will have passed away. And, but in the millennium, it will be lifted to a degree. Look at uh, some of uh, the examples of it. There will be long life. Turn, if you would, please, to Isaiah chapter 65. I really like this. It's beautiful. Isaiah chapter 65. And in verse 20, we read these words. There shall, no more th there shall be no more thence an infant of days. L let me paraphrase that in the Mullenix paraphrase, if I may. They're not going to be little babies dying in the millennium. There won't be an infant who lived a few days and then died. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. People who grow older are going to live until they have filled out all of their days. For the child shall die an hundred years old. If a person in the millennium dies at the age of hundred, people will say, my, he was just a child because people will live much, much longer during that time. 
but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. It is going to be a time of God ruling with a rod of iron, and there will be capital punishment during that time, the sinner who dies at a hundred years old. And so there will be long life. Turn back to Isaiah chapter 35, if you would, please. Isaiah chapter 35. I will give you time to turn. It also gives me time to turn. Isaiah chapter 35, and we read these words in verses 5 and 6. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. Now I know that that has a spiritual application in that, in that people will be released spiritually from sin and so on. There will be happiness and joy. But I think in the context, it should also be taken physically. In those days in the millennium, there will not just be long life. There's going to be good health during that time. And so it will be a wonderful time. Today, we have, uh, I, we pray for the prayer requests here at the campus church, as many of you do. And uh, it's so heartbreaking many times, all of the health problems that are experienced among our people. And we pray about those things. And God sometimes gives healing by way of medicine. Sometimes he gives healing and it is healing by way of releasing them from that and taking them home to heaven. But in the millennium, there is going to be good health. I think that the, the um, pharmaceutical industry is not going to be a good thing to invest in during the millennium. And then there is going to be a repopulation of the earth. Now during the tribulation, the earth's population is decimated. If uh, you have read the book of Revelation recently, you know that uh, at one point, a third of the earth's people die. And another point, half of those who are left living die. But there's going to be a repopulation of the earth. Turn back to Isaiah chapter 65. And uh, repeating what we just read recently in the first part of verse 20, there shall be no more thence an infant of days nor an old man that hath not filled his days. And with that in mind, turn back to the book of Revelation, if you would, please. Revelation chapter 20. At the end of this thousand years, as people grow up and get married and have children, and they grow up and get married and have children, this is not you and me, you understand. This will be those who survive the tribulation and the second coming who are still living on the earth. They will repopulate the world. And at the end of this thousand years, we read in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 8 at the end of the verse. This is speaking of that final rebellion. And so Satan gathers people together to battle against the Lord. And notice the last part of verse 8 the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. So this world will be repopulated. 
So uh, perhaps you're wondering, will people be saved during the millennium? Hold on, I'm coming to that in just a little bit. But this will also be a time when there will be wonderful agriculture. This, this earth will bloom and blossom. Turn back to Isaiah again, Isaiah chapter two. In Isaiah chapter two, the end of verse four, we read these words. Uh, which we read before. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Look at Isaiah chapter 35, if you would, please. In Isaiah 35. And uh, the, the beginning of the chapter, Isaiah chapter 35. One of the other beauties of the millennium is that I will not be wearing glasses. In Isaiah chapter 35 and verse 1, the first verse, we read this. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. Look, if you would, please, at Isaiah chapter 35, um, verse, uh, well, look at the second verse. It continues, it, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. So the desert is going to blossom as a rose, wonderful growth of beautiful agriculture and growing things. In Isaiah chapter uh, 35, down to verse 6, the middle of the verse, in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert and the parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water. So it's going to be a wonderful blossoming earth. And finally turn to the last chapter of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 65. Not the last chapter, but the next to the last chapter in Isaiah chapter 65 and verse uh, 21. We read these words. And they shall build houses and inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people. Trees live a long time. And so will the people during this time. And mine elect shall long enjoy the works of their hands. They shall not labor in vain nor bring forth for trouble. For they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. And so it's going to be a time when the earth is really going to blossom. Now, this is important. It's also going to be the millennium is a time when the invitation to salvation will be open. There will be, strangely enough, it seems to us now, there will be sacrifices that will be carried out daily. I'm not going to have you turn there because the passage is too long, but you may want to read about it sometime for yourself. 
Ezekiel chapters 43 through 46, especially chapter 46, verse 13, that discusses the sacrifices which take place at the temple in Jerusalem during the millennium. And the temple is discussed in great detail in Ezekiel chapters 40 through 47. So the temple will be functioning during that thousand years there in the city where the Lord Jesus Christ is reigning. And there will be sacrifices, little lambs shedding their blood, the other animals being sacrificed. To us, that seems so out of place, does it not? And yet it is not. We've already seen that there will be sin during the time of the millennium. It will be dealt with. Uh, it will not be out in the public and blatant and flagrant as it is today. But there will be sin. There will be generations of people who will be born. They are still sons of Adam. They're still descendants of Adam. They are still born, they will still be born into this world as sinners. And so they will need salvation. And salvation will come then only as it has always come, and that is through the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. So I don't, I, I cannot stand here and tell you dogmatically why God sees to it that the sacrifices are carried out in the temple, but I think I have at least one idea why. In such a wonderful world where sin is not out in the open, where crime is not rampant, in a wonderful society, worldwide society, where Jesus rules in righteousness and with justice, it would be perhaps easy to begin to overlook the terribleness of sin. Sin is a terrible thing. It's because of sin that we have death in this world. It's because of sin that we have all the pain and grief that this world has. But in that wonderful society and culture, Perhaps it would be easy to lose sight of that. And perhaps Jesus sees to it that those sacrifices are carried out, seeing those innocent lambs shed their blood as a picture of Jesus, the Lamb of God, the innocent Lamb who shed his blood so that you and I could be saved could be rescued. What a picture that will be. And so as the sacrifices are performed in the temple and as Jesus rules from the throne of David, there will be the invitation and the opportunity for salvation to believe on Jesus, to call on him for forgiveness of sins based on his shed blood and so those who are born during the millennium who turn to Jesus will be saved just as you and I have been. And so the invitation to salvation will be open. We could go on a long, long time about the millennium, but our time is up. But 
I, I, must, I must close with this. I, I may not close without this. There is very possibly someone here or by way of streaming who has never had your sins washed away through the blood of Jesus, who stands guilty before God even now. And perhaps your heart has hurt you over that. Perhaps you have wondered what is going to happen to me. Where can I find any hope? Well, let me tell you what the Bible tells us, what God's word tells us. It tells us, first of all, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's every last one of us. There is none that doeth good, the Bible says. No, not one. We're all in that boat together, born into this world. But the Bible tells us, and the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but it goes on to say the gift, a gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the scripture goes on to say that whosoever believeth in him and Jesus will not perish, but will have everlasting life. And the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Dear friend, if you've got that burden of sin tonight and you don't know about your future, you're worried about it, let me ask you to do this in your heart. You don't have to do it out loud. I'm not going to have a come forward invitation tonight. But as you sit right there, either in this auditorium or by the screen, if you would just pray to God in your heart and say, I do believe. I believe Jesus is the only begotten Son of God and that he died to wash away our sins and to save us. And I believe he rose again from the grave. So I'm calling on you, God, to forgive me and rescue me, save me through the blood of Jesus. The Bible says that if you'll call upon the Lord, he will save you. It's the gift of God. It's that simple. Would you do that right now? And then my friends, most of us know Jesus as our savior. This, this can be a discouraging day in which we live if you spend too much time reading the news or on social media, don't do that. It can be discouraging. Don't be discouraged. Jesus is coming soon. Now I'm going to say something that I probably should not say because somebody may misquote me and say I said something I didn't say. But let me just tell you that as I study the Bible and understand that we are to know the times and seasons, God expects us to know what the time is, that we could be living in this millennium 10 years from now. Now, I don't know that we will. Don't go out of here and say that Mullenix said we'd be in the millennium in 10 years. I didn't say that. I don't know when Jesus is coming in the rapture. I don't know when the second coming will be, and you don't either. But as you study the scripture, see what the Bible tells us about the last days and what Jesus told us about the last days in the Olivet Discourse, it surely must be soon. You know, even if you don't know Jesus, if you look around at this world, at what's happening in this world, as far as governments are concerned, as far as morality is concerned, 
you would have to shake your head and say, I don't see how humanity can continue too many years. Well, let me tell you that humanity will continue and there's a millennium coming. And so if you're one of God's people tonight, take heart, don't be discouraged. Don't look down at your feet and the ground all the time. Jesus said, when you see these things begin to come to pass, look up for your redemption draweth nigh.